All right, so today I am joined by Jason Seibel. Jason has been a personal friend of mine for years. He's also, I've been a client of his for about 20 years inside of the mortgage space, and Jason's a client of ours with the boardroom, as well as the trust and foundation business that we do. And he's just, we're just, uh, I'm just honored that he's been part of my life for so long. And today, thank you. Today, I wanted to talk to him briefly. We're down here in Cocoa Beach, Florida, and I wanted to talk to him briefly about the, the mortgage, the, the, the real estate market, and what's going on. There's a lot of fear out there. People thinking the, the market's gonna go down or rates are gonna keep going up. So I thought, why don't we just talk to the expert here and share with the group, and we can get some expert insights on, on what's going on. So Jace, there's a lot of panic a little bit. We have this huge run up, but when I look back in, from 2007 when we had this big correction versus now what's going on what's the difference between now and then the difference my friend comes down to just the analytics so rather you know fear is based upon the information that's put out by a variety of different sources so it's our responsibility as professionals in the mortgage and real estate space to vet that information so when people tell me about these fears I always go back to the data and if we really take back and do a kind of a deep dive, a post-mortem of what happened in that marketplace, it all comes down to supply and demand. There was a significant drop in homebuyer demand because of household formations. We, we had fewer people born from 1973 to 1978. The average homebuyer is about 33 years old. As a matter of fact, I saw a report earlier this week that the NAR said average homebuyer is still 33 years old. Okay. Okay. And coming into that season, we just we had less people coming of age to buy and home builders didn't slow down. So we had a flood of inventory and the banking system's way to try and help move that inventory at that time was to reduce credit requirements so more people could buy or more people could acquire more properties. That was their brilliant strategy to help eliminate the supply problem. And as those products went sideways and you saw you know, the great recession come about, that issue went nuclear. Had the market just been able to correct on its own, we would have we, we would have had a small correction. But but that injection of credit and allowing people to get going that sent it nuclear and created a massive correction. So why would be we be looking in a in a situation right now where rates are going up and values don't seem to be wavering at this point? Okay, it, so now that we know what we know, we we had a mass shift in, in household formation during that time relative to supply. In 2010, you saw home building come to a screeching halt during that, during that time, right? So if you look from World War II through 2010, on average, as a country, we built between 18 and 24 million homes a decade. And in the decade of 2010s, because those home builders got squashed, they built somewhere between six and seven million. So we built about a third of the houses in the previous decade that we had from World War II through 2010. So, and now we've got uh, a change in changing demographic in, in uh, people being 33 years old. People There's coming more. of age. Yes. If we take if, if if we look at the birth charts and and knowing the average person is buying at 33 and you, you see these household formation numbers, there, there's a massive uh, growth and movement of people coming of age to be able to buy homes. Okay. And when people talk to me about market crash and, hello. When people talk about market crash and, and if you look at the data, what you're gonna, here's what you're gonna see. 
In 2008, we had one million, or excuse me, we had four million homes for sale in the United States, relative, roughly. Okay. okay. Today, we have one million homes, maybe a little bit more. So, you know, somewhere between a 60, 70, 75% reduction in inventory from that time. From 2008 to 2014, we've added 14 million households during that time. So we have 14 more million more people in a place to buy at a time and place where we just built the least amount of homes that we've built in the decade in a decade since World War II. So Coming whatever we're looking at right now, is, it's a, it's a supply and demand issue. Correct. So in 2020, that all hit ahead, right? You had low inventory and people hanging on to their houses, home building was slow, and you had everybody wanting to buy because they were stuck. Nobody wanted to be in a condo renting, you know, with kids stuck at home, you know, climbing the walls, you know, chalk, you know, chalkboard in the ears situation. So would you, would you think that uh, the market's gonna take a turn and we're gonna see uh, pricing drop significantly in the next three years or so? I, I don't think so because you still have the supply chain. If you look, if you look at, the household formation and, and the trend of how many people are coming of age to buy that's continuing to grow over the next probably four to six years if you look at the birth charts so that is going to create some stability now what has shifted demand a little bit is interest rates right we went from interest rates in the threes to interest rates in the sixes we're kind of sitting in the fives right now that curbed demand so if you were at the top of your price if you're at the top of your debt ratio and qualifying ability at three percent you just got blown up at five or right. six so that has curbed home buying a little bit but but it's still happening and, and if the house isn't overpriced it's still going I mean, we're, we're still seeing i think redfin put out a piece last week said that you're still seeing in, in many cases three to four offers per house Okay. Now, that's not what it was. It's definitely noticeable. It's definitely not slowing down. But a lot of these price reductions I'm seeing are from sellers who think the market is still in their favor. And they're putting out exorbitant prices in a lot of cases and not getting it. That price reduction is to come back to really where the market belongs. Actually, is, If yeah. a home is priced well in most of the markets we work in, it still moves. I got clients still fighting in multiple offer situations when a home is priced accurately. If it's 30, 40, 50K overpriced, then certainly you're going to see a price reduction. You're going to see some negotiation. That house is going to sit. You can't just stick a sign in the yard and expect greatness. That, that's not the market we're in. So as we sit here in August of 22 and rates are somewhere in the fives, you said, yeah. where do you think we're going to go uh, through the end of the year? It's a great question, JP. That's why I asked it. It's <laughs> a great question. So if you look at recessionary times, the definition of a recession is two negative GDP quarters. Now there, there's some media stuff out there about that, that you know the job market doesn't warrant it, but historically a recession is two negative GDP quarters and we just hit that this summer. So by, by the metrics, we're in a recession. If you look back at recessionary times, last seven, eight recessions, what you see is interest rates come down during recessionary times. Now we saw a massive move up in interest rates because inflation got so out of control that you know, it just doesn't protect the investor and, and you've got to increase rates, right? If, if, if you're, a, if you have a 2% bond and inflation's 10%, you're losing money faster than, than, than you can go, right? So right. rates have to come up to kind of plan and absolve for that. Right. Hello. Garrett may or may not edit that piece out. No, that's all right. <laughs> but, but what you're going to see is inflation gets under control. Inflation is rolled on a 12 month report okay 
right? And they look back 12 months. And so this August number will replace August of last year, right? The summer was a little bit light, but I think coming into- Last August, summer was light? Correct. Okay. Correct. And it was expected July would have a bigger number and July ended up being flat. So you can definitely see inflation starting to get under control. I think the next couple of months, what you'll notice is if the Fed continues to interest rates at the pace that they're talking about and planning on doing, that's going to take liquidity out of the marketplace and it's going to help curb inflation. There's going to be less spending. And it's, as soon as you see inflation start to move downhill, you'll, you'll, you'll see mortgage rates and other rates come down as well. Because the number one payer of debt in our country is the United States government, right? Like yeah. they're, they're not going to overpay relative to, to where the market is. And, and I, I think everybody, the higher interest rates are in a recession, the longer it's going to take to get out of it, right? Families need that that cushion, that, that liquidity to be able to kind of dig themselves out, you know, from job loss, from racking up debt, yeah. right? Groceries, gas, all those things so much more expensive than they were even a year ago. So here's a simple question. I know there's a lot of variables, but I'm going to ask it keep kind, of, kind of basic anyway. Let's say I have enough money for a down payment right now. Would you suggest I just, just sit tight for now, wait till the end of the year? Or would you tell me, uh, go ahead and buy it right now? I would say to go ahead and buy. If you look, we don't just have a housing problem. I mean, we have a rental housing problem too. Occupancy per, I don't remember what report I read. I, read. I think it was an NAR report. 99.2% occupancy across rentals. So it's not just that houses are hard to find, rentals are hard to find, which is driving up prices. And you know, the cool thing about owning your home and where you live is whatever cost basis or price that you buy at, you've locked that in. That, that, that house payment is locked. It's not gonna go up. Negligibly for taxes and insurance, the sure. rental and interest payment is locked. So if you're looking at rents moving up eight, 10, 12%, and you wanna sit out for two or three years, think about where your rent is gonna be yeah. in, in that time frame relative to you having a fixed payment. And then you get the benefit of you know, principal reduction with every payment you make. That loan balance goes down. You know, presumably the market's expected to grow you know, somewhere in that three to 5% range over the next couple of years too, if you look at a lot of different models. So if you had a hypothetical, let's just say a $400,000 house and you put 5% down on that property, right? And you finance the rest, that's a $20,000 down payment spend to control that $400,000 asset. If that grew at 5%, that $20,000 investment would have made $20,000 in equity in year one. Right, and you probably would have paid that principal balance around somewhere between five and six thousand dollars as well. So that's asset accumulation for your family that you will never get in a rental situation. If I'm a uh, first-time home buyer, am I still having to come up with twenty percent down these days? No, there's. So if you're a military veteran, you can do 100% financing. That's the best product out there for sure. Wow. But there's some down payment assistance programs depending on the county and the area that you live. Some of them are income dependent. It's not for everybody, but it can fit. But if down payment assistance isn't in your sweet spot, if, if you're not eligible for it, uh, you, can get on, you can get into a house for as little as 3% down on a conventional, 3.5% on an FHA loan. And you know, five is kind of the sweet spot where you start to see a little bit better price and and benefit in terms. Is that of would that go so a lot of folks on here, you know, entrepreneurs, Jason? Does that does that percentage still hold true if I wanted to have it for an investment property? Or am I gonna no. 
So what I'm sharing, as if you if you want to buy a true rental property, the minimum down payment is 20%. Okay, so what I'm advocating, a lot of my clients, if they want to buy rentals, we take a look at what they're doing now in their current primary residence, and it's a lot easier to convert a primary to a rental and keep the same rates and terms and go acquire another primary. And how long do I have to have that as my primary residence before I can turn it into a rental? When you sign on the dotted line, you sign, you commit to a 12-month occupancy period in person. Okay. Okay. So, at, so if you bought September 1 of 2022, September 1 of 2023, you would be eligible to do all bets are off. You can convert that to a rental. You can convert it to an Airbnb. Okay. Does it, that it, that military zero uh, percent down thing? Does that only a one-time deal? No. As a military veteran. Uh, you can use that multiple times. Let me get this straight. Uh, this is the first time I've heard this. This is the way my mind works. For those of you who haven't worked with me, I'm a military vet. I'm not a military vet. Say I am. I go by my primary residence. I can potentially qualify for 100% financing on that. Correct. I live there for 12 months, turn it into a rental, and do the same thing with another property. Yes, but you can only have one VA loan at a time unless it's out. Unless there's some exceptions, but... You live in Houston, Texas, right? Yep. So if you bought in Houston, Texas, if you had a VA loan, the next house that you bought, you would probably need to do a conventional or FHA loan and make a down payment. You couldn't just go VA to VA to VA. Right? Okay, okay. So it doesn't work that way. So would, it get, would they be able to get into back into that 3%, 5% loan? or yeah, that? absolutely. Okay, wow. All right. Um, a absolutely. Okay. But, um, well, Jace, thanks for your time. If there's anything else you want to uh, enlighten us with, um, I'm good at this point and okay. I can uh, no I'd good? be happy to share no, awesome. I, anybody have any questions for this guy drop it in the DMs hit us up and we'll make sure you get him he Jason is the without a doubt the most innovative creative guy I've ever met inside the mortgage space and if you're having a difficult time getting a loan it doesn't have to be poor credit a lot of us that are entrepreneurs might have this uh, Jason will get the job done if anybody's going to. So if you need his information, hit us up. We'll also have Garrett throw this on the link for you, Jason. Thank you. I have one more thing to add. Oh, yes. One more thing to add. So for those of you out there who are afraid of taking that step, you know, what I would tell you is what, this, you know, what I'm sharing with clients right now is if you look at where home prices have continued to gone and now that interest rates have gone up, there's a train moving faster right now than we all can run. Right, so there, there's a finite amount of time that we can take advantage of, of that given relative home prices and, and, and qualify. You know, some of us have a small margin for error. So, right. But right now there's still a rope on the back of that train that you can run and catch. Like there's a rope you can grab, but there will be a point where that separation creates so much and you just won't be able to get a seat on the train. So my, my encouragement to folks is it's incredible. Foundational wealth in this country is built by owning where you live. It just is. I mean, crypto, sure. Like, you can make some money in crypto. You can make some money in stock market. But where else can you control a large asset that you're going to live in and enjoy for such a fractional amount of money relative to the cost? Right, right exactly. There's nothing. So, so you know, my counsel to people is find a way to get a seat on that train. Uh, we want to be in a position... Just marry the house. Find something that's going to work. You're going to date that interest rate because yeah. when the market shifts, we can always restructure that debt. But the cost basis is locked in for life at that point. And if interest rates go down one, one and a half percent, you know, we could restructure that there debt you on yeah. a, you know, a yeah. year from now 
on a 29 year loan, you stay exactly on schedule, but take the interest savings. And, yep. and that's the play. And once you have that first one, that puts you in a position over time to accumulate some equity, accumulate some assets. And then if you want to venture off and play Monopoly, we can teach you how to do that. All right. Hey, remember, tomorrow's the easy day. Today's the hard one. Go get to work. Thank you.